drop, drop, drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Everybody, drop your buffs. Drop your buffs. Hello and welcome to Drop Your Buffs. Today we will be discussing Survivor Season 41 episode number 7. A big thanks to all of you joining me for this new podcast recap series by way of the Over Under Achievers where today we are talking Survivor but tomorrow we will be talking sports. And since you're here, I just want you to know that I love the community that comes with watching and recapping the show so much that I'm actually relieved I'm not on the jury so I don't ever have to see their stupid faces ever again. More on that later. And hey, I'll just put this out there like an offer to form an alliance or play a hidden immunity idol that gets super convoluted because of all the immunity idols that are in play right now. If you want to rate this podcast with five stars and give us a review, that would be amazing. That would be fantastic even. But you know what would be even better if you tell people you enjoy the show. That's the best way to help the show grow, and I do appreciate when you do that. All right, gang, if you're new to this, here's how this is going to work throughout the season. I give my stray thoughts as good, bad, and uglies, as well as some episodes superlatives, and then I respond to your questions that you've left via the Knox McCoy dot substack.com community all right so without further ado let's tend the fire of this episode and talk about some straight thoughts come on in guys. all right so lots 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 to talk about um in this episode this was you know i had some stuff happening during the episode that made it a little um uh clunky to watch okay that's not a that's not necessarily a commentary on the episode as much as it was already a weird viewing experience for me because i had to come back and forth and then rewatch and do some stuff. So I was already a little out of sorts and out of order. Now, that being said, I do feel like that was kind of the nature of this episode too. It was a little clunky. It was a little out of order. It was a little rushed where we got the, um, almost like the peaceful harmony and the formality of the episodes that came before in the season. This one felt like, you know, I mean, look, they told us this felt like the second half of a two-parter, but that doesn't mean sometimes uh, departures from form like we got um, last week, that's that can be okay. This felt like a situation where it's not, and the um, the grittiness of storytelling and the seams on that storytelling and that production were very evident uh, in this episode. You know, I think let, we'll start with good because we always want to start positive. We always want to be um, positive and optimistic and celebrate the good things that happened. And there were some good things that happened. I thought, you know, number one, we got another drop your buffs. That's great. I love that as the as the titular um, line of the episode that references this podcast. I love that. I love to hear that. I love seeing it every single time. Um, additionally. We also got a previously on Survivor, which I love. You know I love that. Now, however, the problem here is um, there's a tax that comes with getting a previously on because when the show has been has established a motif of we're not going to do previously ons um, throughout the season, and then it comes back with a previously on, that's not because they're throwing us a nostalgia bone. That is because they're like they're looking at the cut or the edit, and they're like there is a lot of moving parts, and we're going to have to help prompt people and remind people of what all is happening because there are a lot of um, uh, variant situations coming into this episode that people will have to be prompted about because again at the end of the day the people who make tv people who make content most of the time just assume the listener the watcher the viewer not the watcher that sounds like a superhero um the people uh, consuming the media they assume you're an idiot so we had to get the pre- this previously on because um maybe we are idiots. I don't know. I don't think we are. I think that was less an indictment of the audience and more an indictment on um, how convoluted this game has gotten. So, you know, I know we're in the good segment and that's not a good thing, but I did like hearing the previously on. So, um, and you know, in terms of the gameplay, I thought we had two really cool moments that got super glossed over. And that is probably going to be on the tombstone of the season of cool moments that got glossed over because we needed to watch Erica 
consternate about breaking uh, a time glass thing, sand glass, hourglass, whatever that's called, um, which is frustrating because used to when Survivor is really humming um, and really hitting their stride with the season and, and just feeling like they had control of the narrative, they really leaned into these moments of like um, the, the, the intangible, subtle moments between characters that I felt like define and inform where the season's actually going. The first one was, it was, it was really an exchange with Shan and Liana. And uh, I just apologize in advance because I feel like everyone on the show is saying Liana or Liana and Evie or Evie and no one's getting it right. So I'm going to do, do my best and trust that it's okay. Shan and Liana are talking about who to get rid of. And uh, Liana says, um, Evie is not dangerous. Like, don't worry about her. And I thought uh, that was kind of a, I don't know, a gateway into like, are you serious? Like, are you, have you been spending time with her? Like, have you been seeing what we've been seeing? Because I think she's an emphatically dangerous um, player. And for her to underplay, uh, for Liana to underplay, I just felt like was such a miscalculation. Luckily, she had Shan there with her. And Shan um, uh, took that, didn't like say, you're you're insane, like I would have. But she kind of like systematically broke down why Evie is such a dangerous player. She's like, she um, is super tight with multiple people. She's very well-spoken. She's well-liked. Because um, she's tight with Xander and Tiffany, that's a voting block. And when you're putting that voting block up against ours, and it was just this very analytical breakdown. And I think a lot of times on Survivor, we don't get the benefit of seeing like the um, – the stratagems, you know, come out and like the way they uh, moneyball, like the data of the show and the people on the show and like why the cost benefit analysis to making decisions and choices. And I wish they would give us a little bit more of that because watching Shan do that, you know, I think my, my, my sense of her was that she was overplaying and maybe playing a little reckless. But when I hear her break it down like that, I think, no, no, she's totally in control and she knows exactly what she's doing. So I know that was probably a moment to characterize Leon and set up what she was angling for in the tribal council. But I thought, I thought that was much more um, illuminating about Shan and about her um, uh, handle on the game thus far, even though we were still in that weird purgatory of not, not a girl, not yet a woman, not a, mer- not a merge, not yet a tribe split or whatever. She was in the middle of that super stressful situation and she was still able to do that. Just super cool to watch. And then speaking of Evie, like I thought, so the sequence of Evie, um, kind of getting emotional for the first time with Xander and Tiffany um, because she knew she was uh, her head was on the chopping block and Xander was like I've got you I'm going to play it for you you're not going home tonight and for her being so appreciative um, I thought that was uh, almost like a real subtle redemption grace note moment for her because I think she I think part of the tears honestly was she knew she had kind of already flipped a little bit on both of these players and it kind of sized them up and decided they were left wanting, you know, lacking with her. Um, and then these two people were going to be her salvation, right? These two people who um, she was ready to sell or throw Xander under the bus, uh, if the circumstances were correct, they were so emphatically on her side. I think that was probably, I can only speak from like an experience, like when that's happened uh, in a situation with me, not, I'm not drawing from like a specific one, but just um, uh, underestimating people or, or misunderstanding people and taking stuff for granted. It felt like in that moment she was uh, grateful for the relationships, but also a little lamenty about having taken those relationships for granted and i thought that was a really cool sequence that again we just didn't have time to uh, focus on because we were just having to like reckon with the gristle and intestines of this uh, stupid 
gameplay choice that the show has made, and we'll use this and transition into the bad section of Stray Thoughts. And it it's the it's the Erica revelation. I mean, and we knew this this was set up um, in the first half of this episode last week. It was paid off. He said in sarcastic air quotes in this episode of Erica having to be like. Um, uh, on this side of my choices, I can stay here uh, in this godforsaken place and be having to com- uh, compete for an uh, uh, individual immunity in an alliance that's not my own because my originals had uh, uh, really just like dispatched me. Or I could change the game, find immunity for myself, and make the strong players like uh, uh, you know make the jocks and the bullies have to compete. Like that's not a choice, you know. So that. You know, and I think we quit. Uh, we got a little bit of this from Deshaun in a very artful and elegant way, but I think we uh, we got some runoff conversation too that I can't remember. I didn't write down who was saying it, but maybe it was Danny. I think Danny talked about Danny had a real issue with this choice in the game. Um, Danny doesn't seem like one to uh, you know uh, be fearful of challenges um, and uh, endurance and things like that, but. It seemed like to him, I really resonated with the way he was trying to process the the choice of the show, which was like you told us, if we win, we get immunity and a feast, um, and then now we don't. And I think, you know, in the moment, it can kind of feel like, why are you litigating this right now? Like you're trying to fight for your life. Like don't worry about that. But the further I get from it, and the further I get from the episode, I think a hundred percent I would be upset. I would be super upset because. It didn't feel like an organic aspect of the show. It felt like, um, and I think I said this in the last couple of weeks, it felt like a stupid thing a TV show does when they're running out of plot and character development and they just have to start relying on the adrenaline shot of something insane happened. Like Olivia Pope just killed someone with a chair. Now, does that make sense structurally in the plot of the narrative? Absolutely not. But it, you know, if, if you've got Olivia Pope killing someone with a chair, Olivia Pope's killing someone with a chair, and that's kind of fun to watch. This was kind of fun to watch of the tables get turned, but it didn't feel earned at all. It actually felt kind of, um, we're going to, yeah, almost, this is a terrible uh, analogy, but I'm going to make it anyway, almost like in the Hunger Games when uh, Katniss and Peeta, they're, uh, they're, like, you can play together, like, you can play as duos or whatever, and then they kill that the last capital kid or whatever, and then they're like, psych, you guys have to kill each other. Um, and then they're like, joke's on you, we're not going to kill each other, we're just both going to kill ourselves. And they're like, okay, well, actually, you guys both won, congratulations. It just felt um, reckless. It, it felt not thought out. Or I don't even honestly I don't know if it's not thought out or overthought. I don't know which one they're guilty of, but they're guilty of one of those. So I understand Danny's frustration, and I understand um, I even understand the shows saying like, "Hey, we are going to we have to flip this round because this one tribe is just running roughshod through all the competition." I get that. I get the little tweaks and adjustments, but this just felt like an out and out. Um, just alive. Like you guys are going to win, but actually you don't because we did the stupid thing with this, uh, with Erica and it didn't even act like it was going to change the course of humanity, not just like the show or the events of the show. Like it actually was going to like change. Um, it was like the, like the unthanos snapping of survivor. And it's just, it, it was poorly set up, poorly executed, poorly thought out. It was just a miss, um, on all aspects, um, of, uh, what makes survivor survivor to me. So, you know, along with that, just like, this being a two-part episode just felt redundant. I think the slow dragging out of the merge, I, I didn't like that. One of the best parts of the of the season is like getting to see the players with their loved ones, getting to see the players on the first day of like trying to freak out and figure out who is who and who's to be trusted and you know where's the food on the ship that they're trying to get in the boat or whatever. Um, and then the merge, it's like merging and feasting and like coming together for the next wave of the competition. This just this drug it out into this weird 
complicated situation that didn't need to be there. And it's really, I'm trying not to be negative, but I just really did not enjoy that. Um, I mentioned Liana thinking Evie's not dangerous. I think that's a dumb, that's just a dumb take. You know, it's not even a hot take. It's just a dumb take. Um, and then the whole Erica stuff of it all, it just felt, I don't know. It felt like it was supposed to give her so much power, but I don't know if any character, any contestant on the show would have done that and been like, I have the power now. Just, I don't know if that is a commentary on Erica and her, uh, choice as a competitor in the show or this was always just gonna be a weird thing and it's better not to hang that over your head i don't know it just it's, it's, she doesn't even get to have ownership in this because she didn't even choose to go to the island um she was chosen by the show to be able to do this and she was chosen by our tribe to do this so it's, it's almost like she has no she has no control of her own destiny in the show so i just uh, no to all that a pass unsubscribe uh gross don't like uh zero stars etc um so we'll end here straight thoughts with uh the ugly um straight thoughts of the episode you know i think um along with doing a previously on that is indicative of some storytelling failures of uh un, uh flooding the zone of uh, idols of flooding the zone of um information that stays hidden and low key but also is super important and, and needs to be known um throughout the show i think also the show leaning super heavily on flashback revelations within the episode. That's a giant failure. That is a indictment of a a giant failure of storytelling because, you know, at least with the previously on, that's like a, Hey, you know, I don't know what your week was like. I don't know what your day was like. Do you have dinner? Are you full? Are you a little sleepy? Maybe you forgot some stuff going on. I know I always appreciate it on the bachelor or the bachelorette because half the guys, I can't remember their name. So I need to kind of get that refresher. So I understand that the front end, but in the middle of the show when things are happening and it's like oh did you think xander forgot that liana had the advantage well actually flashback here's how they prepared for that that is they've done it a couple times and i've been okay with it because i thought they were one-offs but this seems like a commitment to um we are going to have to um go back and like retcon and reverse engineer some of the the validity of these gameplay moves because we've missed that and we have not articulated it and shown it um in the course of the episodes and once that cart gets in front of the horse uh, you can't get it back. So I feel like they're committed to having to do this now because they have fumbled the ball so much on articulating and characterizing these contestants and these tribes. And I just don't like it because it makes you question. It's kind of like what, I, what we're all dealing with with Marvel right now with, with like, does, does anything mean anything, right? Like does what I'm seeing, does that matter? Um, or in three seconds, are you just going to show me how actually secretly they already knew this and they're not making a choice in the moment? This was a fabricated thing and an act that these two contestants put on to manipulate someone else. It, the show has always succeeded because we, they've always told us, they've always let us see that and they've always let us decide if we're going to pay attention to that or not. Um, but the choice is ours. Instead, now they're picking and choosing what they show us. And I think it highlights the information deficit that we always have on a reality, reality TV, but Survivor's always been so good at navigating that, um, where this season it's more uh, Bachelor or Bachelorette than it is um, a traditional season of Survivor. And then last, ugly thought I had of just, I, you know, I'm sad Sydney went. I don't really understand how Sydney went home. Um, I really liked her as a player. I thought she had so much personality um, and such a... Um, I felt like she could have been a very fascinating player. And I think even more than that, she had a fascinatingly frank lens on the game, but also herself. 
And I think she could have been maybe the greatest talking head contestant of all time. But instead, we just really don't get any time with her because her tribe won too much. And because this spun out and she's not even on the jury, um, even her like going out and being like, I hate these people. I never want to see them again. My life's awesome. Y'all suck. Like I'm obsessed with myself, but in a cool way. I loved every single moment of that. And we're just not going to ever get her again. And I'm just, I'm a little excited about that. And I'm a little mad. I, honestly, I don't know what happened. I think it's probably, you know, we can blame the show for making her be on the chopping block when she was part of the tribe at one. But also I think she probably panicked a little bit. I think she panicked. And, um, I think she was, cause it, by all accounts, she was tight with Deshaun and Danny. I know Deshaun and Danny are scared to death of women like running the show. So they had to get rid of a female and it naturally came down to Sydney or, um, Evie, um, once the flip happened. Um, but, and Heather, Heather not even being on the chopping block, um, was hysterical to me, but, all that said, I thought Sid Sydney was really tight with Deshaun because she's the one who told him about Nasir and all that stuff. And it just felt like Sydney pulled the ripcord a little early, um, a little earlier than she should. And it didn't really make sense to me. And I, I don't know if that's the exhaustion, if that's the attrition mentally and emotionally of gameplay. Um, but it just felt a little out of character. But again, we just it, it we didn't know how much it was or was not out of character because have spent a lot of time with her. So we just will never know. Um, but I do, if they're talking about candidates for, to come back on a season, I feel like Sydney is a perfect candidate to show up again somewhere else because what a, what a compelling personality um, she had. So uh, thoughts and prayers, RIP to Sydney. Um, let's now transition to hidden immunity idols. If anybody has a hidden immunity idol and you want to play it, now would be the time to do so. Hey, Jeff. Hold up, bro. I just always wanted to say that. Okay. Um, okay. So for, I, I already talked about Danny um, and I liked how I liked his uh, analytical uh, thorough analysis of Jeff Probst um, syntax choices when he talked about um, what was up for grabs uh, pre-merge. And he was a little upset with that. It reminded me, it felt like a little bit like um, Bill Clinton's deposition when they're splitting hairs on like the nuances of lying and like what that actually means. Um, that's, this isn't the place for that Danny, but I appreciate someone being like, you know, I know we're on a TV show and like we need to make good content, but um, this is sketchy and like this sucks. And he literally lied. Um, you're right, Danny. Um, but that's just not how reality TV works anymore. Like no one cares about that, but I am sad for you. I appreciated them showing that. Um, I, I also wanted to appreciate, you you know, so Xander, he's been a very compelling, interesting uh, character, and I've always felt like he has uh, had his ticket punched for an untimely exit, you know, like being kind of thrown under the bus and someone, I, it, it maybe like a little bit of a Sydney arc um, of me lamenting that we didn't get more time with him because the more time I spend with him, I think he's a really interesting character and I like what he contributes to the show and the drama therein. Um, but at cer a certain point, he attempted a shark metaphor about him uh, in Liana. And uh, he talked about how he is the shark with the fin out of the water. So you see him and you know he's there. And there's almost like a respectful aspect to it. But Liana is a shark that stays um, towards the bottom of the ocean and you don't know where she's at. I, th I think that's a good metaphor or analogy. I'm sorry. I think that's good. Um, I think he did that well. And uh, I'm just like, I'm a little impressed because to not be on like caffeine pills, to not have had any sleep and very little food um, and in like intensely emotional situations. That was pretty amazing. That might be like the Gettysburg Address, honestly. Like same, it's like a tie probably in most like off the, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying Abraham Lincoln thought that off the, like just ripped that off, off the dome. Um, but I think in, in terms of feats of public speaking, I would put those 
one a one b you know maybe one two uh, gettysburg probably edged it out but it was i was just i was just really impressed that's what i'm saying i'm really impressed with what he did there and then lastly this isn't a specific moment but just like deshaun his whole vibe at tribal um i really appreciated because he's a guy i like him because i think he's a guy you know he's not like he's more um I, I can identify with Deshaun, right? Like uh, Danny played uh, professional sports. I can't identify with that, right? Um, I'm not built like a Greek god. You know, I can't run like the wind, whatever. Deshaun is a guy, you know, who, who, who wears tank tops despite having like hairy shoulders. That's a move. You know, I wouldn't make that move if I had hairy shoulders. Um, thank, thank the Lord I don't, but like, but he does. And I appreciate that. Um, there's a cavalierness to him. There's a devil may care. There's a freak flag. I'm just going to let it fly to him. But I also think it comes across in his personality because he plays with his heart on his sleeve. And I think when you're looking at a couple different characters and just there's, I don't even know if it's a social aspect of just like people like them, like a, like a, um, a, an affability gravitas, right? I think Evie and Deshaun, they're right there. Like people just really like them. And for Deshaun, um, unless I'm misinterpreting this because at, at tribal, when Xander and Evie did their thing, um, and you know, everybody ran around and talked or whatever for several minutes. And then they came back to it right before they voted. Deshaun's like, I'm not ready to vote. And also like Xander, like great move, like great move. You two, that was really well done. Like, uh, respecting it. It, it felt respectful and not, not a kiss up way, but just like, we are playing survivor and like, these are big moments and that was well done. So I want to like game recognize game or whatever. I just really appreciate that. I, I, he seems like someone I would really like in real life. I would love to play the game with. Um, and for that reason, it makes me sad because I don't know. I think he's, he's someone who stresses a lot of people out and I think they would want to get rid of him. Like I can see Nasir still wanting to get rid of him. I can see, um, other, I could see and him getting a little squirrely. Um, I thought was pretty interesting and foreboding. Um, but just, I just like him I just, as a human being hidden immunity idol for Deshaun. Uh, we'll transition now. Let's go to biggest L. Here's what's at stake for the winner. New Chevy trailblazer, not a bad truck. And if Brian knew how to spell road trip, he'd already own one. Okay, so the, the biggest sell, you know, I've already talked about the show and the failing of storytelling, no big deal. Um, uh, we've talked about the uh, hourglass thing. I feel like that's that's an L. But I think, so beyond those things, the other biggest sell of this episode has to go to Liana because you can't spell Liana without using an L. And um, man, her, the weird thing is, let me just go inside baseball here. The weird thing is, I, so when I was dealing with stuff last night, I came back and so my kids were watching it. So I, I, I interrupted and I knew I'd have to come back and like cover the 15 minutes I missed um, while I was dealing with something. And I missed Liana knowing that Xander and Evie know that she had the knowledge as power idol. I didn't realize that they knew that, which makes it even crazier what happened because for her to um, let that information be out there, which again, that's not really her fault as much as it's that's Shan's fault. And Shan's not going to take the L in this because they didn't really highlight how if Shan would have just kept her mouth shut in front of Tiffany, nobody would have known and they could have done whatever they wanted. But because it was, it's weirdly ironic because the knowledge is power worked against it because everyone had knowledge of the power that Liana had. Right. So, um, but I think she gets an L, um, for just the complete mishandling and punting of that power and that strategy because you know i think at a certain point you could tell and i you know for the shows to the show's credit i would say it has done a really nice job 
um, seeding and threading the idea in our heads that Liana really wants to take out Xander. And I think sometimes, especially on Survivor, you'll have certain grudges or you'll have certain um, story aspects in your head of like, it has to go like this. I have to be the one that gets rid of this person. I will, I'm going to tell the story and it might maybe sound like a monster, but I'm just going to tell it anyway. Uh, when I worked at a t-shirt printing company, uh, I managed it, I ran it and everything. There was somebody who worked there who was the worst. And um, I, I was setting up a, that just, they wouldn't do their job. They were difficult to be with and bad to customers, all that stuff. And I was doing the diligence of, I want to document this. So it's not an emotional decision. So it's like, Hey, we've written you up all these times, blah, blah, blah. And for those reasons, we have to move on and we'll give you a chance to find a new job before we fire you, all that stuff, right? Trying to do it the right way. And then that person resigned like a week before it was going down. And I know that's terrible and it's probably the better way for it to go. But I felt mad because I was like, no, I earned the right to be able to tell that person like it's not going to work out. And I was mad. And that's such a stupid, silly, immature thing. But I just had that story in my head of like, this person has caused me so much um, stress and heartache that this will be the catharsis that I deserve. And I didn't get it. And again, that's a stupid way to think about work and people and relationships and someone's well-being and their livelihood, right? But I think Liana saw herself and she was like, I'm going to be the one to put out Xander's flame. And she started playing super emotional and not logical. And she let that get the best of her. And uh, I like for her to not realize she was watching two of the worst improv actors of her generation during tribal council. I, I don't know. I don't know if we can trust her taste. Um, and I don't know that we can trust her um, rationality because Xander and Evie were laying it on so thick that your spidey sense should have gone off of like, I don't know exactly what's happening here, but they're wanting me to do a thing, a very specific thing and make a very specific choice. And I can't make that choice because that's the last thing I want, want them to do. Because in, in all things competitive, you always want to do what the your competitor doesn't want you to do, right? And for Xander and Evie to be like, we're, we're daring you. We are begging you. We are asking all the gods of all the major religions for you to ask Xander for the idol because you think he has it. You just can't do that. You just can't walk into that. And she did. And I, I don't understand how you come back from that because what a whiff um, uh, on that choice. You know, and I'll give, so I'll back off Liana and I'll just, I'll give the show now because I thought that we would get a little bit of Ricard Shan footage and we just got none of it. Not even like a conversation, not even like a, so how's everything going or Ricard being like, man, I see you're getting tight with your core four. Like, are we still chill or just Shan being like, Hey Ricard, just so you know, I still hate you for uh, demanding to hold on to that extra vote. And we got nothing. We got nothing. And that to me, like that was a formative relationship and alliance with the front half of the season. And then they're just like, you know, there's just like dust in the wind now. And, and I don't know if their paths will ever cross again, but it felt a little weird storytelling wise to not follow up on that in any capacity. But I'm glad we saw Erica thinking about whether or not to smash the hourglass for 42 minutes, because that's a really good use of all of our time. Um, okay. Before we go to questions, I'm going to introduce a new segment here. We're going to see how it goes. I'm going to call it cross-offs. Okay. And now that we're at the merge, I want to start crossing off. I, w- I really want to identify like, who do I think can actually win the season now that we're, you know, we're starting to build the jury and everything. And I want to see how well we can do. So um, every episode, as we get closer, I want to cross off a a person, you know, to um, uh, to see if we can land on the final three um, of uh, who could possibly win Survivor, or if we'll get upset. I'm probably it'll probably be upset. I'll probably pick the first three people that will actually be the last three people because that's how good I am at watching the show. Psych. Um, but uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to cross off two players to celebrate the you know emergence of this uh, segment. It's going to be Heather. It's going to be Erica, and primarily that's because if you at any point 
during the game of Survivor, you know, Jeannie found this out the hard way. If you are at a tribal council and people are up and whispering and no one is talking to you, no one's consulting you, no one is telling you, and no one is asking you, you don't matter. You just don't matter in the game. So you either need to be content with like you're going to be the goat or the donkey that's brought to the end and no one cares what you have to say, or um, you need to change it up and like do something weird and wild to get on people's radar to let people know that you are a threat. Um, but for Heather and Erica, just to be like DMPs, like didn't play, didn't play in the tribal council. Um, woof. What a... Wh- what a what a tough situation that is, and I just I can't understand how you come back from that. And these these two players, I mean, the track record is they're not going to ruffle any feathers, so I don't know how they're going to get themselves in the mix. But I so I feel very comfortable and very confident in crossing both names off as final three um, contestants for this season of Survivor. Okay, that's cross offs. Let's go now into your questions. Natalie, is there any way I could have your jacket? Natalie. Alan, Travis Spoken. Thank you, Tim. Natalie. All right, first up, Lee says, just finished watching Something Gets Me every Wednesday night, and I have to catch it the next day, uh, except for that one time I watched live was the one night Knox was in the woods or on vacation or something. I was I was in the mountains, Lee. I was in the woods and the mountains and on vacation, and I was fighting bears and all that good stuff. Uh, but, but Lee's question is, um, it's surprising how all of a sudden Evie and Tiff became super tight with Xander because he had immunity idols and advantages. And I wonder if that will stay a super tight group or not, or will they be picked off one by one? Great question. I, I was surprised by it too, but it actually makes sense. You know, once the, uh, the old Yuvu or Blue or whatever, they consolidated their power uh, and their voting block, like they're forced together. I think it will, I think they will stay super tight. I think Xander and Tiff... Uh, and Tiffany uh, going to the wall for Evie, I think that that matters. And I think Evie is a very shrewd, very pragmatic player. Um, but I also think she is um, a reasonable player. And that is, um, that means something, you know, that's a bond there. And I, and more than anything, I just don't think there's any other place for Evie. I think the blue tribe has declared war on her. Um, so they're going to have to, they're going to have to do the thing where they rally up some kind of opposition against the former blue tribe or try to get defectors or stuff like that. So I think, I think they're playing the game. They're in it uh, for the long haul with each other. Uh, next up, this is Mitchie in the kitschy great name. Uh, they say, has Tiffany been growing on you a little more? I'm surprised because I'm actually starting to like her gameplay. I also thought this episode had a lot of fun aspects of understanding gameplay. Um, yes, about Tiffany, yes, 100%. There was a, I don't remember which episode it was, maybe two or three, where I just really didn't like her at all. Wasn't interested in seeing her play the game um, at all. But um, I think part of it is, it's, it's not about her personality as much as she's earned my respect right? She has, um, we're not seeing the reckless stuff, which she might still be doing. Um, but in challenges, she's strong strategically. She's strong. She has put herself in the middle of complicated situations and had skin in the game. And so I think fundamentally there's a respect. And I think most people, um, no matter what their background, what they look like, what they believe, who they love, all that stuff. I think in the world of survivor, it's like, do I respect how you play the game? And I think the people who become the heroes, they are the ones who, um, they might not look like you or think like you or do anything like you, but if they respect the commonality of the game of Survivor, that's the people I love. Um, and I think, well, I mean, you know, 
the creepy guy who like molested people, if he played the game the right way, I still wouldn't like him. You know what I'm saying? I think what I'm saying is like, it's the great unifier, um, unless you're a creeper and then no one likes you. But, um, so for Tiffany, I think that's how she overcame that initial perception of this, uh, of this woman super sucks to where now I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of rooting for Tiff a little bit because I like uh, how she's remained relevant and I feel like she's getting better. You know, I think that's a part of survivor too, is like, are you raising your gameplay? Are you, um, uh, plateauing? Are you, uh, getting worse? I think she's been getting better um not just in the edit but just like in the game of survivor next question becky with the mediocre hair said love xander faking out liana this merges bananas and she's pronouncing it bananas thank you becky um yeah i agree i think you know i, I talked a little bit about that but I, I think the one thing i did say is you know again we're building resumes now right we're in the we're in the resume game uh building business or whatever uh, that phrase is that's not even a phrase but i just made it up but you know what i'm saying we're building resumes right now and Xander doing that, that's a resume piece. That's something he did that he's now going to have to um, be scrutinized for. But also it's something, it's a it's a feather in his cap of like, hey, I'm still in the game. I did this. Here's why I deserve your money. So just, you know, put that in the back of your heads. Um, Katie Beth said, I'm glad they put the advantages that people have next to their names. These were helpful reminders because I'd completely forgotten that Sean had an extra vote. I did too. Uh, also very glad to Sean trying to create paranoia between Xander and Evie didn't work tonight. Um, yes, Katie Beth, I, obviously the producers listen um, to the show, you know, and they got, they, they, they listened to last week's, last week's episode and they're like, you guys, let's get back in the editing suite. We got to fix this. We got to put some chirons together. We got to put some advantage notifications, stuff like that. So uh, producers, thank you for listening. Thank you for adding that. Um, no, that was super helpful too. I, I was, <laughs> I was uh, very thankful, and I feel like that is the compilation of previously on all the flashbacks, and we got to let people know who's coming to fight with what kind of weapon. I, I think that's just uh, probably um, executive producer, director 101 of like the people need to know things. Um, so I was I was happy to see that. Um, Becky with the mediocre hair uh, continued and asked, uh, she said, Knox, if you slash when you were on Survivor, would you be a get up and whisper guy or mind your own business sitting there all chill guy during tribal council, council I'm assuming. Um, Becky, you know, I mentioned this a little bit with Erica and Heather. Um, I would be, I don't think I would definitely not be a sit there and chill, but I don't think I would be the guy who gets up and initiates all the insanity at tribal council. And, you know, I, I don't know if we have more questions. Well, I think we have a couple more questions about tribal council, so I won't go all in just yet, but I think, um, it's all about navigating expectations and navigating um, what you are presenting. And when you start walking around and telling people what to do, you are dictating the terms of the game, which is good, but you're also uh, telling people that you are dictating the terms of the game, which is bad. Uh, and you have to watch out for that. So um, I would definitely be in the mix. I would be trying to find out who's doing what um, and where, um, but to just sit there and be like, like an old papa at a Baptist church service and be like, I'm just here for the hymns. And uh, for the potluck, like, that's just no way to play the game. Like, what are you doing? Uh, next question. This is from Adam Godfrey, who I guess is a first time watcher of Survivor. So welcome, Adam. Uh, I hope you're having fun here in the Survivor community. Uh, he says, I'm new to the show this year. Is whispering at tribal normal? It seems crazy to allow that much discussion to happen. They've had all day to talk contingency plans and strategies. Great question, Adam. It is not normal. Um, it's not atypical though it happens from time to time maybe a couple times a season um but you're right it is strange to be like we have had literally the whole day to talk about what we're going to do and now we're starting at square one now some of that obviously is new information presents itself or um you know it's just, it's just that like 
um, that classic idea of like a negotiation only starts when like the clock is about to hit the deadline. You know, that's exactly how the saying goes. Don't check me on that. Um, but it's that aspect of like, until it's super urgent, no one's really motivated to like get down to the nitty gritty of what they want to do. So I think part of that is it's kind of cool to see sometimes this was actually weirdly Adam. This is the weirdest example because it went on forever. This might've been the longest one that's ever happened. And it felt like there were waves of conversation. And I think, uh, this is probably like a, like I'll give myself an L and this is where close captioning gets a little tough because we always have close captioning on because we have, you know, uh, kids who are, uh, I mean, you know, I've got a 12 year old, 10 year old, um, and a, a seven year old, the seven year old has known how to read for a while now. So honestly, I don't really know why we still have closed captioning on. I think I'm, this actually secretly probably for me. Um, and it helps because I like reading more than watching and I can't always hear exactly what people are saying. I don't know. This got more about me than I intended to. Anyways, what I'm saying is when you have close, close captioning on and there's tribal whispering, it gets really tough because Jeff's talking and he's trying to like maintain the facade of a conversation. But you know, Deshaun is whisper yelling and Evie's whisper yelling and Liana's whisper yelling. It's just a lot of text on a screen. And it's hard to keep straight. So I had a hard time. I don't know if you all, you all had a similarly difficult time keeping up with who was saying what and who was proposing what. Um, but I had a really hard time following that. And I think the show wanted us to have a hard time. So we didn't know exactly how that vote was going to go. But all that said, um, it's it's kind of like an unexpected unexpected treat. This episode's though was it felt in line with the um, I don't know the clunky nature of the episode in the clunky way that the show has treated um, uh, I don't know synthesizing the strategy and the gameplay uh, gameplay of the contestants. It kind of just felt like a giant stew of potential um, in a bad way, like not a delicious stew, one that has been in the fridge for about four days and you're not sure if you want to take a run at it, but you've got those Esau vibes and you're like, I am super hungry and this is kind of my best option. So I'm just going to see what happens here. Uh, next question, Joe S. mentioned a couple things I wanted to get to. Uh, he said, how do you think the hourglass twist will affect future seasons? Um, I feel like there'll be a lot more consideration for throwing challenges because of not knowing if it'll actually grant you safety. This is a great call, um, and this is a great example of an unintended consequence of there was, and I think we talked about this like three episodes ago when Danny and Deshaun were like, we should throw a challenge. Um, and there's like, no, you never do that. Don't ever do that. Well, now that the show has been like, hey, actually this thing that we've always treated is super sacred, and it's not even that they're not sacred anymore. It's that they're actively, it might be disadvantageous to win um, uh, challenges, win immunities. And I know they're probably going to course correct on that. But once you start that, once you see the idea of something like that, you don't understand how the evolution um, of that anticipation or that reality or that precedent being set, how that's going to inform the game. So yeah, um, Joe, I think that that's going to be a problem to, to deal with uh, in the future. And then Joe also asked one of my favorite parts, or said really, one of my favorite parts of the season was Shan realizing she just Shan-splained what Liana needed to do at Tribal, backtracked and said, and you just have to, I mean, what do you think? How do you feel? It's a great call. And, and I love, at least she has the awareness and the emotional IQ to be like, I think a lot of dudes, and I, I think where they go wrong um, is, and it's, it's always been why I think um, the, the beta guys do better because they're okay with like talking it out. Whereas, you know, a guy who hypothetically um, may or may not have been like a, a, a surgeon, he's not used to being like taking a consensus, right? He's used to just saying, here's what's going down. Um, at least Shan, as a pastor, uh, in a leadership role, not as, I'm not saying like pastor, like she's, you know, great at uh, emotions or whatever, but she's used to dealing with um, consensuses and dealing with people with intangible issues that you have to take seriously, even though you think it might be stupid. Um, at least she was aware and capable enough. And why? You know, watching Shan 
I think the music thing that was hilarious and I still love that aspect of the show, but um, watching like her navigate, you know, like Dexter uh, Morgan, not to equate her to a serial killer, but we're doing that, I guess. Um, Dexter Morgan, he called it like his dark passenger, right? Like he wants to be good, but there's just part of him, the dark passenger, like makes him do bad things. Watching Shan deal with her dark passenger, you know, um, is interesting. And to see who's going to have primacy here as the season goes, I think that will tell us, that'll go a long way in telling us who actually uh, is going to win the season. Uh, Kara Wallace says, after the challenge, I kept waiting for Erica the Lion to come out. The move was hardly mentioned for the rest of the episode or at Tribal, and she was included in the vote with the group who she sent to the challenge. Maybe Erica the Lamb is still in play. Yeah, I, I just... So, like, are we just going to forget that she sent you to this island to live by yourself for two days and, like, sit in the rain like a sad girl while the fire, like, flickered out or whatever? Like, that was tough. Like, if she didn't have... Honestly, if the show was just like, look, we didn't plan the hourglass thing, but Erica was in a really bad space, a bad headspace um, about being there and just sitting in the rain next to a fire for two, like for 48 hours. So we just had to do something. I respect that more, but instead they presented this like game changing thing. And she went right back with her, with her group. I just didn't, I, I was like, what am I missing here? And that was part of the process of me watching. I was like, did I just miss like a whole section of this episode? Like why is Erica still rolling deep with them? But she is. Um, Derek B said chef's kiss to the shot of the dead fish on a leaf being swarmed by flies. I see it as foreshadowing Liana's wasted advantage, but I'd like to open it up for the class for discussion. No, Derek, no discussion, no discussion necessary. That B roll looking survive. Uh, I'm sorry. In the bachelor, the bachelorette B roll footage is either wildly inconsequential or wildly symbolic. There's no in-between, okay? And on Survivor, um, it's always symbolic. It's always laying a subtext about what we're about to walk into. When we see um, Evie and Xander talking to Liana and all of them not liking each other and trying to double-cross each other, and right before that, we see a spider spinning a web, we know because that's a metaphor for Xander spinning a web and Evie spinning a web and Liana spinning a web and me spinning a web about saying Evie's name six different times. I've heard it. Don't act like I haven't heard it because I have. I know you guys have heard me say it, but I just don't even know what to do there. But yeah, such a great call, Derek. I love a good B-roll footage of rotten uh, animal flesh. You know, it really goes down good with dinner, I think. All right, that is it for this episode of Drop Your Buffs. Again, thanks for everyone being here. Thanks for everyone who's in the Substack community laying down those questions um, and uh, contributed to the conversation here. It's the best way to watch this show. So if you're watching and you wish there was a community of people you can kind of bounce around stuff with, I recommend going knoxmccoy.substack.com. Again, uh, if you want to leave a rating and a review about this uh, show in this episode, that'd be amazing. That'd be great. But the best thing, the most helpful thing is to tell people about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to help the show grow. And I super duper appreciate any time y'all do that um all right so we'll be back next week fingers crossed things get a little better and there's less idols there's more conversation there's more footage there's more character development stuff like that um but we'll you know we'll take it one step at a time uh as always i'm not your boy the recap spoken and i'll see you next time everybody drop your buffs drop 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 your buffs everybody drop your buffs drop your buffs drop your buffs everybody drop your buffs drop your buffs